0: Many of us think that we know what the love of God should look like. If you really loved me, God, if you really loved me, you would not have allowed my child to die. If you really loved me, God, you would have not let that man sin against me the way he did. If you really loved me, God, you would have given me a better father. If you really loved me, God, you would not have allowed that to happen. And the unbelief and the pride in that way of thinking is staggering. Who do we think we are? Who do you think you are? You stand in judgment over God. You know what love is. You can define what love is. You have more wisdom than God does. You have more compassion than God does. God has told us very plainly what love is. 1 John 3.16 1 John 3.16 Not John 3.16 Of course, that does too. First John 3:16 talks about the love of God, and he says, "We know love by this." Does anyone know how that verse goes? Anybody? We know love by this. That what? No one? No, that's another one. It's close. Yeah, someone had it over here. I don't know who it was. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. That's what it says. It says, we know love by this, that He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives to our brethren. So God says, this is what love is. I'll tell you what love is. Love is... Jesus Christ laying down His life for you. And then Romans five eight, We may know this one better. But God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. This is how God demonstrates His love for us. He has already demonstrated His love for us. He has already told you what His love looks like. It looks like Him... Killing his own spotless son in your place so that he wouldn't have to kill you. That's what the love of God looks like. But you say, no, that isn't enough. What would really prove your love for me is if you gave me what I want. Then I would say, yes, God loves me. And that is horrific because... In thinking that, you spit in the face of the Son of God. Yes, how nice. Yes, how quaint. Yes, how sweet. It's actually kind of cute, isn't it, that God would lay down His Son for me? We get kind of warm, the the, the sentimentality of that. It's nice, it's sweet. Now, give me what I really want. Give me what is really important. Show me what is really love. You don't know what you're doing, God. Here, have a seat. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what love really is. Let me help you, God, understand the depths of love. This is what it would be if you loved me. Give me a good husband. Give me good children. Give me a healthy body. Give me a happy home. Give me a world where there are no wicked people who do wicked things to me. Give me a good job. Give me a good wife. Give me a nice car. Give me something. Come on, God, give me what I want, and then maybe I will admit that you have loved me. Can you hear yourself in that rant? Can you hear yourself? I can hear myself. But what could possibly be more wicked than that? This is to trample underfoot the Son of God. Because it says, Jesus, You are not what I really need. What I really need is my career. What I really need is my happiness in this world. Jesus, if You can be a means... To that end, if you can be a means to the end, the thing that I really want, fine, I'll use you for that. But if you won't give me what I want, I've had enough of you. But here's the truth. The truth is, God knows what love looks like. God knows what love is. And God knows that love does not shield people from suffering. Love does not give every little thing that we want and keep back every bad thing that we don't want. Sometimes love brings suffering. Sometimes love brings suffering because it is infinitely better to suffer and to see the all-satisfying glory of God in the midst of the suffering, through that suffering, then it is not to suffer and to be robbed of the vision of the glory of God. This is what the Bible teaches. Look with me at John 11. John chapter 11, and I want to read a large section of this, verses 1 through 44. This is the story of Jesus and Lazarus, the man who had died his friend who had died. John 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, He said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when He heard that He was sick, He then stayed two days longer in the place where He was. Then after this, He said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to Him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and you're going there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And this he said. And after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Uh, Lord, if he falls asleep, then he'll recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Therefore, Thomas, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also, so that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And when she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, "Ah, Lord, by this time there will be a stench. For he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. And then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, them, Unbind him and let him go. One little word changes everything. One little word can shatter your life. Or one little word can put you back together again. Look at verses 5 and 6, and what I just read to you. Verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when He heard that He was sick, He then stayed two days longer in the place where He was. Now, do you see what this says? Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Now, what would you expect the next word to be? But? Yeah, so he hurried. But, or yet, or however. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, but when he heard that he was sick, he stayed. Yet, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed. Um, However, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed. But is that what it says? Well, some of your Bibles say that. (laughs) NIV uh, translates it like this. Jesus loved Martha and and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What does this one say? It says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. One little word. So instead of yet. Yet. And the implications of that are earth-shattering for you. Which version of reality do you prefer? Which would you rather it said? Which one do you cling to? Jesus loves me. Okay, I know Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. Yet... I can't figure out how these things go together, yet it seems to contradict everything that I think about the love of God for me. Jesus loves me, yet He brings suffering. Is that the one you like? Or, on the other hand, Jesus loves me. I know that Jesus loves me. I know that Jesus loves me because, yes, the Bible tells me so, and yes... He laid down his life for me. I know that he loves me. So I don't understand it. I don't necessarily like the implications of this. But and I and I can't see how these things go together all the time. But I know what it says. Jesus loves me, so he brings suffering to me. Which one? Which one is it? The implications are endless to this. If you expect the love of God for you to mean that you will not have suffering here in this life, then you will interpret everything through that lens. You will experience suffering. You will know pain and sorrow. You will be sinned against. This is the world that we live in. You will experience pain. You can't get away from it. And the only thing you'll be able to do if you're reading all of that through this lens, is to conclude in the face of all of this that God does not love you after all. Because if you think love equals comfort, shielding from pain, and yet you have pain, what what else can you conclude? God must not love me. And then where do you go? Well, then you thumb your nose at God and run away from Him. And there are people sitting in this room, who have thumbed your nose at God and run away from Him because of this. You thought love meant happy all the time. I get what I want. God makes life easy for me. He keeps bad things from happening to me. But bad things have happened to me. So God must not love me. But if you know that the love of God for you means that God will bring suffering to you, not in spite of His love, but because of His love, then you will interpret everything differently. You will experience suffering. You will know pain and sorrow. You will be sinned against. This is the world we live in. These things will happen to you, but you will run to Jesus Christ. And in, in the midst of your suffering, because of your suffering, you will see Him for who He is and for what He is. And you will worship Him and love Him and you will even learn to trust Him. Those are your options. View the love of God in a way that makes everything that happens to you mean God doesn't love you or view the love of God in a way that says, God must really love me. Look what happened. What Jesus says in this passage proves, I think, that what I'm saying is true. Look at it again. When Jesus first hears that Lazarus is sick, he says in verse 4, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. He's looking ahead. There's something good about this sorrow. Look at verse 11, beginning in verse 11. Jesus says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go that I may awaken him out of sleep. And the disciples then said to him, again, I'm just always amazed when I read this, because this is us. Uh, Excuse me. Uh, And they even call him Lord. It's always funny to put Lord right before, you know, advice or right before a command. Lord, here, let me tell you, you've got it wrong. If he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Just let him sleep. What's wrong with you? Come on. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead and I am what? What's it say? I am glad. Lazarus is dead and I am glad for your sake. That I was not there. So that you may believe. So Jesus sees the end. Jesus sees the purpose of this suffering. He delays on purpose. Not in spite of His love, but because of His love. And He even goes so far as to say, I'm glad that I wasn't there. I'm glad. Jesus is glad that He was not there to save Lazarus from dying, to save Martha and Mary from from the pain that comes from losing a brother. What in the world is going on with this? I'll tell you what's going on. Jesus is loving His friends. He is loving His friends because He knows that the one thing they need most is not comfort and freedom from intense and real pain. He knows that's not what they really need. He knows that the one thing they need is to see the glory of God. And they will see the glory of God only in the midst of intense and real suffering. He knows exactly what He's doing. Verse 17 goes on. So when Jesus came, He found that He had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Now, I've always wondered how Martha said that. You remember who Martha and Mary were, don't you? Martha and Mary, we we read about them before... Remember Martha and Mary? Jesus is teaching at their house. Does anyone remember the story? Okay. And uh, the two women are doing two different things. One of them is sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to every word He says, worshiping Him. The other one is busy, um, you know, fixing food, making sure everyone's provided for, running around. Um, And then the one who is busy fixing food and running around... um, comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, just like the disciples did before here, Jesus, uh, I need to tell you something. You need to do something differently than you're doing right now. You need to tell my sister to stop what she's doing, get in the kitchen and help me. That's what you need to do, Jesus. Lord. Which one was which, do you remember? Which one was that? That was Martha. Mary is the one who's sitting at Jesus' feet. Alright, now, so which is the first one who gets up and runs out to meet Jesus? It's Martha. And when she speaks to him, was it brokenness or was it an accusation? What do you think? Was it like this? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Or was it, Lord, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died what were you thinking i can't prove it but i think that's what it was the important thing is which one of you which one would you have said how would you have said it to him right now how would you say it to him lord what were you thinking Or, Lord, I don't know, but I know. I know that you're good. Well, Jesus goes on in verse 23, and His interaction with uh, Martha, I think, shows that um, Martha's mad at Him. verse 23, He says to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to Him, I know. I know, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I know. You, I've heard that all the time. I know. You know, Romans eight twenty eight. all things work together good. Blah, 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 blah. I know, I know. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in Me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe it or not? Are you going to accuse Me of doing wrong, or will you believe Me? Do you believe this? Do you really believe what Jesus said? If you did... How would it change your life right now? Or do you just see this stuff as pie in the sky, by and by, I'll fly away, oh glory, you know. When I get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that'll be, blah, 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 blah. But what's I got to do with my life now? Is that how you see this? Well, Martha goes on, verse 27. And she says to Him, Yes, yes, Lord, I have believed that You are the Christ. You're right. You are the Son of God, even He who comes into the world. And when she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, The Teacher is here and is calling for You. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to Him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met Him. So all the Jews come with her. They think He's going to the tomb. And Martha comes, or Mary comes this time. And when she saw Him, it says, she fell at His feet. That's where where Mary always is. She was at His feet. She wiped His feet with her hair, put on the ointment. That was her. She's at His feet listening when Martha's busy in the kitchen. That's her. She comes to Him now and she falls at His feet again. And she said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I think when Mary says that, it seems to be humility and brokenness. She is falling at Jesus' feet. She is not standing above Him, accusing Him, judging Him, telling Him what He should have done if He had really loved her. With Mary seems like genuine humility and worship. And look how Jesus responds to her completely differently than than He does to Martha. Look what He says. Verse 33. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And He said, Where have you laid Him? And they said to Him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And so the Jews were saying, See how He, what? See how He loved Him. He does. He loves Him. Listen, here is the the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ. He loves them so He delays. He has the power to keep Lazarus from, from dying, but He lets him die anyway. He has the power to prevent Martha and Mary from going through the intense and real pain of seeing their brother die, but He's glad that He isn't there to save Lazarus. He's glad that He's not there to save Lazarus. But He's deeply moved in spirit and He weeps. He loves him. He loves them. So He stays and lets Lazarus die And He loves them, so He weeps. And His tears aren't fake tears. He is broken at Lazarus' tomb. This is the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ sees the big picture. He sees the glory. He sees the resurrection. He sees redemption. He sees death crushed under His own feet. He knows what's going to happen next. But at the same time, He is deeply troubled and He weeps real tears. Jesus Christ is not a cold, hard, distant God. He is not a stoic who is indifferent to your suffering. He is not a sadist who likes, who gets pleasure from inflicting suffering on you. That's not who He is. When He... Stands in front of Lazarus' tomb. He weeps. He hates what sin has done to His world. The world that He made. He hates death and the pain that death brings. He hates the sadness of Mary and Martha as they go through the loss of their brother. And You know what else? He hates the pain that you suffered when your mother left you. When you lost the baby, when that man sinned against you, when your husband left you, when your father left you, when the cancer came, when your family was destroyed, he hates it. And he's deeply troubled. And He knows the pain that you have gone through because He has suffered it too. But. But He sees more than just the suffering in front of Him. He sees glory. He sees His own glory and He sees you seeing His glory and He is glad. He sees you seeing His glory and He's glad. I'm glad that I wasn't there so that you would believe because He loves His people and He knows that the most loving thing He can do is to show you His glory because when you see His glory, you will be satisfied. That is what you were made for. You were made to see the glory of God, and to be satisfied. This is eternal life. Not reunion with Aunt Bessie when you die. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's what Jesus said. Tell me this. Listen. What would be better for you Which do you want? To have ease and comfort all of your life. To never face the loss of a loved one. Never face someone sinning against you in horrific ways. Never face sickness. Never face abandonment. Never face bad things. And to have comfort. To have ease. But, to never know the strong arm of God upholding you and strengthening you and comforting you in the midst of your pain. Is that what you want? Or, to have sorrow, to have suffering, to have pain in this life, but to know that God God is glorious. He is faithful. He has never left me or forsaken me. He is powerful to save. He is a mighty fortress. I run into him and I am safe. He's my comforter. He's my strength. He's filled with tenderness and compassion. He draws near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He is glorious. See, so God loves you too much to let you miss any of that. Don't tell, him, don't tell him how to love you. He knows how to love you. And he loves you way too much to let you miss any of that. Because that's where your life will be found. be found in God. In verse 37, someone says what everyone has been thinking. Well, verse 36 says uh, the Jews were saying, see how he loved him? He's standing at the tomb, he's weeping, he's deeply troubled in his spirit, he's, he's crushed, he's, he's sorrowful, he's weeping. The Jews say, look, see how much he loved this man. But someone else looking on says, Psst. what do you mean love? We know who this man is. Could not this man, this Jesus, who opened the eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying? And you think that he loved this man? answer yes of course he could have kept this man from dying but he had something better in mind verse 38 so Jesus again being deeply moved within deeply moved within came to the tomb now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it Jesus said remove the stone Martha the sister of the deceased again giving instruction Lord can't do that it's going to stink don't do that. Jesus said to her, didn't I say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Jesus prays, Lazarus, come forth. He comes forth. And He says, unbind him and let him go. Jesus says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. It may not be like this. It may not be dead men coming to life again. But I say to you if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And that glory will free you. Jesus will say what he said about Lazarus unbind him and let him go. You will be free. Free from the bitterness, free from the fear free from the anger that you have towards God, that you've been trying to live with all along and still kind of be a Christian. Or maybe it's what's kept you from coming to Him in the first place. And instead, you will see your pain as a gift from God, a window into glory. Because that's where Jesus will meet you. And that glory will give you joy and freedom and life. Why would you want anything else? You can sit here and you can continue to say, no, no. I know what love would look like from God. I don't want to hear any of this. I know what God would do if He loved me. And He didn't do it, so He doesn't love me. I don't want to hear it. I guarantee there there are people in this room right now doing that. I guarantee it. I don't know who you are. But I know there's someone here doing that. You need to turn to Jesus Christ. And you need to believe that He has loved you. And you need to let Him define what love would be for you. God has demonstrated His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In this is love. This is what love looks like. He laid down His life for us. Believe that He has loved you. Stop telling Him how to love you and embrace that God has lavished on you because I tell you, it is better than anything that you can demand from Him. It's better. Some of you refuse to see it What Jesus has for you is more satisfying than anything you could ever demand from Him. Some of you refuse to see it. Some of you here have never even known what it is to consider the fact that God loves you. And you're still shaking your fist in His face. The offer of God's love for you won't last forever. Because if you continue to shake your fist in His face, He will kill you. Because that's what we all deserve. And He won't just kill you quick. He'll kill you forever. But Jesus Christ offers you forgiveness if you'll come to Him. And He has signed the offer of peace in His own blood. Come to Him and you'll find rest. Let's pray together. Lord.